Hello and welcome to Thinking About. As someone with a lot to say, life has often felt like I'm just trying to find a balance between saying everything on my mind and identifying the right environment for everything I have to say. Sometimes people don't want you to spit a monologue about an irrelevant topic unasked. But you know what people can take or leave, choose or choose not to engage with? A podcast. Specifically, a scripted storytelling podcast based on what I've been thinking about, coupled with recommendations, small blurbs about why the universe loves me, and probably some Taylor Swift lyrics I need to break down. So with that, my name is Hannah, and this is what I've been thinking about. This little section is going to be on the first few episodes because I can't control where people might come in. And I really want to give a primer on what's happening here. So feel free to skip ahead if you've already heard this. So way back in the day, an eighth grader ago, I shot my first vlog on my HP laptop's webcam. I talked about how I was moving to Newfoundland and how I thought I might add videos to my existing blog. I was comfortable in front of the camera speaking to no one and anyone, and it made sense for me to monologue about whatever I could think of. And this feels like that. Except that was stream of consciousness, which made sense at the time. Heavily edited stream of consciousness was it, on YouTube specifically. (laughs) I tried that for this, and it didn't really work. What did work was a script, so I'm scripting it. I've just been listening to Brené Brown's Atlas of the Heart, which I cannot recommend more highly. And I swear there are equal parts where I feel like she's reading and when I feel like she's just speaking to me. That's how I hope this feels. Like I've thought it out, but wrote it in a way that translates easily into speech. Like Ira Glass. Okay, so the main part of the episode today is on Kennedy, but I want to speak about something else that has... into my life and stolen a lot of my attention um, in an unexpected way, and that is elf beauty. I'm into makeup the way that I'm into shoes. I just like having them. No, I'm not going to wear them every day of the year, but it's pretty and just fun to own. So I have a good measure of makeup. And then along comes elf beauty, which for a moment is this dollar store level brand of makeup that was unbelievably cheap. I had a few products that I did actually find at the dollar store, and honestly, they were great. I didn't understand why it was a bargain basement brand. But then putty primer happened. You could probably argue it was well before this, but the putty primer is when I started paying attention. Putty primer was this buildable, lightweight primer that turned your skin to velvet. Additionally, Elf sold a translucent powder, which at the time was something I could only find via Mary Kay. Oh, and let me add, I am not and hope never to be a Sephora shopper. That is just several levels of makeup artistry above where I am, and I do not want to. So I'm a drugstore shopper, or more accurately, a grocery box stores beauty section shopper. 
So ELF has often touted their vegan formulas and cruelty-free production, but vegan and cruelty-free is an easy way to say we do good without ensuring that the people involved are also taken care of. So when I really fell into ELF, I wanted to know how far their goodness went. And here's what I found. They're vegan, cruelty-free. They also engage in a fair trade certified factory and they were the first beauty brand to use one. A fair trade certified factory focuses on social and environmental responsibility, empowerment, and local economic development. And the recertification is required annually. Oh my goodness. And doing research about this, I found out that they just stripped down their shipping materials. I'm so pleased that somebody thought to say something, or a bunch of people thought to say something. Layers and layers of cardboard to protect non-fragile materials. It was insane. And they listen, not to me specifically, but everyone else. The point is, if you want sustainable products but feel like they're financially out of reach, look no further. Elf Beauty has what you want and need at the most reasonable prices. This is not an ad. I'm just really, really here for elf beauty. Okay, Kenergy. It is worth noting that I am experiencing the most acute imposter syndrome about this podcast as a whole, but particularly this episode. I follow a lot of women who are looking at and writing about this, not Kenergy specifically, but the way that stodged masculinity prevents men and the rest of us from experiencing joy and calm. And I guess who am I to join that conversation? But that's where imposter syndrome loses its shine. I find imposter syndrome to be comforting because it releases me from the obligation of creative energy. I find creativity to be so tiring, probably because I'm unpracticed. Nevertheless, I have so much to say. So I guess I'm just going to say it. Let's first talk about Ken. After Barbara Roberts' release in 1959, did you know that Barbie has a last name? Yes, it is Roberts. After she was released in 1959, Ken Carson, also his last name, was introduced in 1961. But get this. It is only suspected that Ken is even Barbie's boyfriend. In my research, I read the statement, this has never been confirmed by Mattel. So he's introduced in 1961, and then that's it. There is literally no evolution of Ken. Sure, there were different models and races and ethnicities, but even Skipper had more of an identity as Barbie's younger sister. From what I've read about Ruth Barber, the creator of Barbie, I'm willing to posit that she was happy to let people wonder about Barbie's marital status. It didn't need to be addressed, because Barbie had so much more to do. Now, because we're desperate for romantic tension in every story, myself included, going into this movie, we knew that Ken would be Barbie's boyfriend. But because Barbie Land is run by Barbies and not Ken's, their identities would remain static. And that would be the gag. Ken is an inherently static character so as not to infringe on Barbie's success and forward movement. 
Ken's thoughts and opinions don't really play into Barbie's decision-making because why would it? She's confident that the world they've built and oversee is serving everyone. But it's not, is it? In a general sense, Kens are happy to take a backseat to Barbie's needs. Prior to visiting the real world, Ken's main concern, maybe only concern, is meeting Barbie's needs in order to receive affirmation from her. And let me just say, that was the idea behind the post-war colonial housewife. The nuclear family was intensely isolating, and the notion that one's existence could be oriented around the ease of someone else's so codependent and minimizing of the other person. We see this presented in the movie as a problem for Ken. And I'd like to argue that the minimized female character and her lack of personal agency has literally never been met with such an uproar. But I'll add to that, the female viewers were delighted by the portrayal because it's been our experience since the dawn of time. And sometimes it's nice to see the tables turned. So as we turn to a, a broader discussion of Kennergy, please consider this as a point of context. Kennergy is the release of all masculine demands for recognition and respect. That's my definition. Ken wants nothing but to make Barbie's life easier and spend time with her. He doesn't need anyone to tell him he's great. He doesn't need to be in charge. Until he visits the real world, he longs for Barbie's success with the same intensity as she does. Kennergy is the acknowledgement that playing second fiddle to the leader of leading ladies is a good and perfect role. Ryan Gosling in press junket interviews spoke of being sad to leave his life as Ken. He seemed to delight in Kennergy. And from my perception, the lack of responsibility that comes with playing a supporting character. When I was in high school, I was a standout in the arts. I was from a rural community, and most of my peers were focused on athletics. So I got extra opportunities because of being arts-focused. I was the assumed lead for drama productions and the winner of endless small-town music festival awards. I was celebrated. Big fish. But when I got to college and became a smaller fish... I slowly but surely discovered how much more fun it is to be a background player. There is no pressure. You're still a part of the whole process. You get to know people more because you're not consumed with character work. The lead is fun, but <laughs> background is funner. So anyway, Ryan Gosling was spiritually such an ideal pick for this role. As you might know, he has a history of playing heavily masculine roles, Place Beyond the Pines, Drive, Ides of March, Blue Valentine, Only God Forgives, Gangster Squad. Blech. It's insufferable. We get it. You're haunted by the burden of your maleness. In this, however, this movie, he got to leave all of that behind. He got to adopt this weird Kennergy upon which nothing depended. That responsibility went to Margot. And he had fun. He had so much fun inhabiting this character. One so far from who he'd come to reliably play. The only other time I've seen this is in one of Ryan's breakout roles as a second string football player in the Disney classic, Remember the Titans. The team set smack in the middle of the civil rights movement and divided by race ideology. 
is seen strengthening their bond as they participate in a locker room, Ain't No Mountain High Enough sing-along. Ryan's character, at one point in the scene, does this goading shimmy over to the biggest dirtbag on the team, who I think responds by shoving him. You have never seen a less fettered actor than Ryan Gosling during that shimmy. And he does it again. He does it in Barbie. What I see in that is Ryan's purest self. The self that feels confident in their personhood, parenthood, and place in the world. The self that is not concerned with carrying the weight of the world because of being born with a penis. The release from the burden of masculinity allows for warmth and openness. Or as the rest of us call it, femininity. Because here's the thing. Everyone has the capacity for both the feminine and the masculine. We always have. A good example of this is the mother bear that often comes out in motherhood. That adrenaline that can give you the strength to lift a car off a baby. That protector and provider is the best of masculinity and necessary for rearing young. But one releases from that masculine state to come back to warmth and openness. The release from masculinity allows for the evolution of emotion as well as the development and practice of mindfulness. No one was ever meant to stay in that state permanently. But that's the expectation, isn't it? Stay ready. Never crack. Hold the emotion. And let me tell you, this is true for everyone. Women, men, no one ever asked you to be permanently strong and aggressive and defensive. It is not a cool state. Releasing from that mode of rigid masculinity allows us to reach vulnerability, which according to the 10,000 hours of RuPaul's Drag Race that I've watched, making me an expert, is the key to success. The capacity to understand and express our emotions is what allows us to live. Cleaving away from this capacity, however, only leads to frustration, anger, and according to every Saskatchewan statistic, violence. So much violence. I am so tired of violence. The reconciliation happens when Ken realizes that the patriarchy he's discovered doesn't really serve anyone. As he says, there's no horses. So he's out. He doesn't actually want to have dominion over Kendom. It's too much. Barbie realizes that Ken's effort to help her and make her happy carries value. And she recognizes that acknowledging that value is a key part of kindness in a relationship. So no matter how you received this movie and its presentation, learning to feel for yourself so that you can see the full value of those around you is a perfect and universal message. Okay, so that's episode one. I remember listening to podcasts back in 2014, before any of the formulas had been set, and getting to hear hosts find their feet. Please enjoy that period of this for me. It's necessarily uncomfortable, but we'll come out on the other side with something really strong and fun. Thank you for listening to what I've been thinking about. There's always more where that came from. 
Bye, bye.